What is good, guys? We are back with our last conference preview, man. I'm so pumped. Brandon, it is Wednesday night, man. We got like two more days till we get some real football. I never thought I'd be so pumped to watch an Illinois game. But here we are, man. Like, I'm probably going to DVR it and maybe, maybe even watch it twice, to be honest with you, man. I am so pumped for the season. I don't know about you guys, man, but we are here with the, our SEC preview. I know a lot of our listeners, this is the conference they're most invested in. I mean, both of us being from the South, I know a lot of our friends and family who also listen are like pumped for this one and they're ready to hear what we got to say about the SEC. Oh, man, we got Zach, y'all say the worst for last, man. Oh, yeah. the, SEC, <laughs> the SEC smack talk is already here and I love it. So, Brandon, we have to start with our storylines here before we get to like our direct preview. And so we're going to do two quick topics here and – with the Pac-12 announcing that they might expand, Brandon, we've kind of highlighted this a little bit, but do you, how likely is it or do you think the SEC is going to try to add a few more teams now that they've added Texas and Oklahoma? That's so tough to say, Zach, just because this conference is growing to 16 teams. Like, that's massive for any one conference. And I understand that, you know, this new alliance came up and, yeah, they have 64 teams. What are you going to do realistically, Zach? Are, are you going to try to match that 64 teams? It's not going to happen. You can't outvote them. You still have some sort of influence because the SEC is where a lot of the money is, is in college football. Not to say there's not money outside of it, but just like in pure terms of concentrated dollars, the SEC programs bring in more money than any other conference. Um, I'm not sure the exact figures on if they bring in more than these other three conferences who just have this alliance now, probably not, but uh, they do bring in a ton of money. Um, I think the best bet for the SEC, and, and this is kind of the people have thrown this around, Zach. I think their best bet is to try to strike up some deal with the big 12 or the AAC and, uh, and, and try to have an alliance with them that way they get some of those votes back. They kind of work with the Big 12 to help the Big 12 add more members as well uh, and see where you can go from there. You're not going to outvote 64 teams, Zach, but you you have to do something at this point. Like you can't be outvoted 64 to 16. It's a terrible look, and I don't think you can add many more teams, if any. And, I mean, you know, we had the episode that came out this morning about the Alliance Brandon, you know, like it was supposed to be a scheduling alliance. I don't know if you saw, but um, USC and LSU just signed a preseason agreement to play in like 2024. And so it was like, <laughs> so I, I don't know, I guess if LSU got like a free pass into the group, but apparently the alliance, I guess, isn't scheduling right now. That's what that, that's the biggest question is nothing's formal. And I agree. I think right now 16 is probably the max. Like I said, the only other Big 12 teams I can realistically see them trying to reach is Oklahoma State to bring them with Oklahoma. And then I know we talked about Baylor just because of what the value they bring to other sports, like women's basketball, men's basketball, things like that. But I agree with you. I think the SEC is probably going to limit themselves at 16 right now at least and probably see how Texas and Oklahoma you know, do at the beginning. But that brings us to this question, Brandon. Real quick expectations for Texas and Oklahoma when they finally join the SEC. I know that the proposed, I guess, news is that it's 2025. Today, there were a bunch of beat reporters saying that they think it could be as early as next season. So for you, where do Oklahoma and Texas fit in the SEC landscape right now? So uh, if I had to give you my prediction on this, Zach, I'd say Oklahoma is immediately competing uh, for the SEC like championship. I think they joined the conference and they're right in that conversation. Uh, their record indicates it, everything else. Texas probably falls somewhere in the middle of the pack. Um, I, I don't think they're like a lower team, a lower tier SEC team. I think they land somewhere right around like, as of right now anyway, somewhere around like like where Kentucky sits. Like, yes, they're good. They're going to pull some up. So they might be better than Kentucky. I don't know. What you, I don't know what that face well, well, okay. Well, like we'll wait for the predictions, but you'll you'll understand why. Like I kind of made a face there uh, when sure. I make my predictions. Maybe, maybe we will. Maybe we won't. But uh, <laughs> I, I think I think I think like the five to eight range is reasonable. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Enough. Like in the entire SEC, yeah, I, I think I think if we're going like in the West, which is what they'll probably join, I think there's somewhere around like like four, five, sort of there. 
Yeah, they're like – so I think their best comparison in the West is Auburn. Yeah. While their best comparison in the East probably is like a Missouri right now. Okay. I think Missouri would give Texas a pretty good game right now and probably yeah. win. We got our guy Chad here, War Eagle. Chad, I don't know if you want to keep tuning in for this one, man. It could be a bleak day for Auburn on this show. But, Brandon, I agree with you. I think Oklahoma immediately becomes the second or third best team in the in, in the conference. I think they're right there. I think it's really, honestly, it's probably Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma are the top three, and it's probably not even close at this point. Um Personally, I think Texas, like I said, I think five to eight range, Brandon. I think they're right there with the Auburns, the Arkansas, possibly the Ole Miss, the Missouris, Kentuckys, like you said, right in there. They're going to be in that middle range where they can all fight for probably, what, Brandon, two. Like the the ceiling is probably second in the division, and the floor is probably about fifth for them. So I think they're right there in the mid-range uh, team, he said, "I know, right? <laughs> There's not. Listen, the, I'll, I'll give you a hint. There'll be some great Tank Bigsby talk here coming up soon. Just a spoiler there. But outside of Tank Bigsby, I don't know how much there is to talk about. But let's get to our official SEC preview, Brandon. Let's not waste any time here. Let's get into the top games to watch this season for the SEC. We'll kick it off with non-conference games. So, what non-conference games for the SEC are you most looking forward to?" I mean, the obvious one is Georgia Clemson, but I've already talked about that. And I'm sure we'll go into a little more detail because we haven't talked about it in front of our SEC fans. But the one I want to point out, Zach, the one I'm most excited for is actually Liberty at Ole Miss. So we're going to see the return of Hugh Freeze back in Oxford, Mississippi. We're seeing two teams that are projected to finish pretty well this season, Zach. I mean – there's 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 a lot of beat writers out there having Ole Miss finish toward the top of the SEC. Not I haven't seen anyone choose them to win the SEC, but I've seen I've seen them up uh, up toward like second third place in the in the West at least. Um, and Liberty, dude, I mean, just coming off of the season they had last season with Malik Willis there at quarterback. Uh, this entire team looks like it's really coming together, and I think we're starting to realize that Hugh Freeze might be like the real deal as a head coach. Like, yeah, he had his little stint at Ole Miss, and some things went real south I'd say but uh they Ole Miss I mean I feel like they were sort of forced into firing him in a way uh especially with everything that went on but um now he's at an independent school that's I think more considered with the group of five and the power five and they've done remarkably well and so this is gonna be a really fun game to watch I'm not sure it'll be a close game but it, it'll it'll definitely be a lot of fun if nothing else for the storyline I definitely think that's an upset of watch game, Brandon, because especially that it comes all the way in November, we're going to find out exactly what Ole Miss is made of. Because I, I don't know about you, Brandon, the one question of Ole Miss, of this Ole Miss team is their defense. Malik Willis isn't coming in there giving them any handouts. That's going to be a real test for that Ole Miss defense to see if they can stop a dynamic, you know, top quarterback in the country like a Malik Willis. And also, Brandon, we talked about this game, you know, in a, one of our other previews, but Arkansas, Texas, September 11th is a game that I am absolutely excited for. And I think it could be a great chance for Sam Pittman and Arkansas to really get a huge win early in the season. And honestly, Brandon, if, um, if for guys, if, if Texas doesn't pull this game out, you're talking about a huge, huge already like, blemish on the record for Steve Sarkeesian if they can't pull off that Texas-Arkansas game. Because I think that Louisiana-Lafayette game week one is not going to be a pushover. All the reports from Texas says they're going to start Hudson Card. I don't I, I don't love that game for Texas, Brandon. I think, I think Arkansas is going to be a much better foe than a lot of people think. I think so, Zach. Sorry, guys. I had to leave for a second. I was, like, dying over here. Allergies. <laughs> but um, – the COVID test. We got to get Brandon COVID tested. No, I have. I have a. I'm allergic to dogs, and my dog lives inside, so it's this happens. But um, no, nah, dude, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I read an article today that was talking about how this is one of the best uh, non-conference games for like strictly for the reason that uh, we're gonna see Arkansas fans hold up signs that that say Texas is back, where they strike through Texas and write Arkansas. So that that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, the Arkansas people. They're strange people, but we love them. So uh, that, that'll be a really fun game. And that game's going to be a close game, I think. I mean, Arkansas is really bouncing back uh, from what they were. Sam Pittman's really improved this program. And Texas is Texas with a first-year head coach. So I guess we'll see what happens. 
Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Nick, looking out for Brandon over here. But, man, I got a, you know, another game that I think is important and especially important for the SEC team in this non-conference matchup is Missouri-Boston College, September 25th. A lot of people think with Florida losing all the talent that they did kind of leaves that second spot right there behind Georgia wide open, Brandon, the SEC. This is a game Missouri has to win to make sure they, they keep pace in the SEC because if they drop that game – you're talking about all the momentum, all the positive, I guess, all the positive forces that you've got going in that program are going to be taken right away. They're better than Boston College on paper, Brandon, but if they can't pull that one out, then I think their ceiling in the SEC is probably pretty limited. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think Missouri's going to have an issue with Boston College. I know a lot of people are writing about this game and talking about how this game is going to be significant. And if you fall on that side, I don't fault you whatsoever. I just think that Missouri is a lot better than we're giving them credit for. I think that they found their guy in Connor Basilek last season, uh, and he's going to come out, and, and he's a, really a player to watch. I, he's not on my list for later on in the show for players to watch, but he should be. Um, he's a super talented quarterback, and uh, he had, like, glimpses of what he could be last season. I don't think he had the full product there yet, but he was a true freshman. Uh, but I think we're going to see him come out of his shell a bit more, um, a little bit more this season. Well, ask LSU how much of a true freshman he looked like, because that was one of his best games early in the season as he was just on fire against the Tigers. But, Brandon, shifting to conference games, there's one that I am absolutely pumped to see, and it's kind of it's personal to you. I think Texas A&M LSU November 27th is going to be one of the most important games in the conference this year. I think it's really going to determine the pecking order behind Alabama in the West which program is on the trajectory to really be on Alabama's heels where Alabama's just not running through the West? I mean, you have you have LSU coming off a 5-5 five and five record, but they're returning every major contributor from last year for the most part. And every major contributor they lost, they replaced with someone who possibly could be better. Like you're looking at like a Mike Jones replacing um, Jabril Cox, at linebacker. But then on the flip side, you have A&M who's coming off of a a, almost a playoff run. They were one spot away, but they lose like most of their offensive contributors. <laughs> and so they got a new quarterback with Haynes King. Brandon, I am so pumped to see AM and LSU this year. And I think this will be one of the more competitive matchups in the series because really and truly, we have, other than that seven overtime game, we haven't seen many great games between these two teams. It's been blowouts. I would be shocked if either of these teams got blown out this year. Yeah, and they're not all blowouts. Last year sucked, obviously. And I, yeah, and this game, <laughs> I couldn't tell if this game was just like one that I'm looking forward to as an LSU fan, or if it was one that was like a legitimate, cool, game, like good game to watch this season. But I think you're right. I think that we're getting this LSU team bouncing back off of that five and five season. I'm not saying they're bouncing all the way back, but they are going to bounce back a little bit. Uh, Texas A&M, who people are even higher on than Ole Miss, which to me, I don't totally understand, but um, yeah, you can, no one knows if I'm an LSU fan, but, uh, but Texas A&M, I think the main question there is, is quarterback play and they named their starting quarterback today. I don't know if anyone, even Texas A&M fans are excited about that announcement, but it is what it is. This defense is scary though. Um, and I think just LSU's offense, which is returning a ton of production, uh, and all five starters on the O-line, um, which I'm counting Cam Wire in that because he played most of last season. Uh, I think it'll be a great offensive-defensive matchup there between these two teams. Uh, I like it. And also, uh, I'm going to put Alabama-Florida on here as well. Listen, I'll, I'll put it out there. I don't think this game's going to be close, and I'll come back to this comment by our guy Chad. Bama's going to be scary good early. I'm just going to let you all know, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and that's a terrible matchup for Florida with all the offensive questions they have. Brandon, the reason I picked this game is it's going to really determine Florida's trajectory through the season. It's week three. It's the first road test for Bryce Young. But, man, if Florida gets the doors blown off, Brandon, it is bleak when you still have Georgia, LSU, Missouri, who's going to have a great team, and also Kentucky. Florida is going to be in trouble. And I don't even think if they get the doors blown off that Florida State's a guaranteed win at the end of the season. No, you're right. And I don't think Florida wins this game either, Zach. But I, I will say the one thing they have going for them it is it is a home game. Alabama hasn't played there in 10 seasons. 
Last time they did, they won pretty handily. But they haven't played there in 10 seasons. This is Bryce Young's first road game in September. What is it? It's September 18th. Is that when this yeah. game is? Yeah. Um, September 18th is his first road game. He's a redshirt freshman. And the Swamp's an intimidating uh, scene, dude. Like I know you've been to that stadium. I've never seen a game there. I've been there, but I've never watched a live game. Um, I just know it's terrifying. Just, just even watching on TV last year, the LSU Florida game, that was nuts. Just like all the fog that came in at the very end of the game. All like the stadium was packed because it's Florida. Um, but yeah, dude, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a little bit of a test for Bryce Young. I think in the beginning, it might have him a little bit shaken up. I wouldn't be shocked if this game was close in the first quarter, quarter and a half, maybe even half. Yeah. I like how you added that qualifier. Like in the first quarter, maybe it's, it's going to be close. Gonna be, it's not going to be a real close game. Like second half, Nick Saban, if they are, if it is close, Nick Saban's going to chew, he's going to chew everybody's ass on that, on that, uh, in that locker room. And then they can come out in the second half and they're just going to win 70, 77 to like 14 or whatever it is. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, and uh, Chad liked that one, but I also have another Florida game, Brendan. And um, I think Florida, Kentucky this year, October 2nd, is going to be another big game. And I say that because. Do what? That that one's at Florida, too, right? Yeah, I think so. And so Kentucky has not had a great history in the swamp or against Florida in general, but they've had a lot of recent success, Brandon, against Florida. I mean, they've. they've, The last few times. It's pretty competitive recently, so we'll say yeah. that. It's in Kentucky. But, I, I, need to, I need to put that Oh, out. is it? Okay. Yeah. But um, it, for me, this is a big game because Florida has a lot of question marks, Brandon. Kentucky looks to be the most complete team in the East outside of Georgia. So it's really going to be who's going to compete with Georgia for the East. Really, probably nobody. But honestly, this will probably be like who's going to be the top contender going in later in the season. I think Florida has to win this game because if you start dropping games to Kentucky, Missouri, Brandon, when you already have LSU, LSU, Alabama, and Georgia on your schedule, you could be looking at a real bad drop for Dan Mullen. And like you said, there's already Florida fans wanting him to be on the hot seat. So if that's the case, I can't imagine if he goes 7-5. to five. And, guys, by the way, neither of us think Dan Mullen should be on the hot seat. Dan Mullen's a top-10 coach in the country and it's ridiculous that any Florida fans have him on the hot seat right now. Yeah, I think you're right, Zach. Uh, I, I just started seeing that today. It was like the weirdest thing. They're like, oh, Dan Mullen can't win at Florida. I'm like, what are we talking about he can't win at Florida? He's been a New Year's Six Bowl, like, well, at least the past two seasons. So, um, well, he's, been, he's been in a New Year's Six every year he's been at Florida. Yeah. So what is that? I mean, that's that's pretty that's pretty damn good, I would have to say. But the last matchup I want to talk about, Brandon, or well, the last two matchups are two in, like these are two interesting matchups that no one's going to look at. But for us as college football, you know, you know, with coverages and things like that, I have to. I'm paying so close attention to Vandy, Vandy, Tennessee, November twenty seventh. You're so lame for that. Stop! 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 Two first-year head coaches, is Tennessee going to be able to get the tra- uh, their, their last chance you right now? It is the transfer squad over at Tennessee. And what does Clark Lee have this Vandy team looking like the last week? Because, Brandon, I understand that Vandy only wins like a game this year at most. But by the end of the season, I want to see how well they're playing against SEC competition. And Tennessee is going to be the closest team probably in terms of talent level they'll face. Let's be honest. And so I want to see how it looks at the end of the season. It was Clark Lee the right hire. How How is this team playing for him when there's nothing to play for, if that makes sense? I want to see how these first-year head coaches have taken these new teams at the end of the season and how they're progressing to get positive momentum into their second year. And also, Brandon, Auburn, South Carolina. Now, South Carolina beat Auburn and William Bryce Stadium last year. I think this is another huge matchup because it's really going to set the tone for Shane Beamer and Brian Harson on which teams are taking that next step. Because also, Brandon, let me remind you, Auburn and South Carolina have Clemson and Bama coming up the next week. So that's almost like a guarantee loss for both of those teams. So this is your last chance to possibly, Brandon, for both of these teams, realistically, this could be a win to determine who's bowl eligible and who's not. Right. There's a good, there's a very good chance these teams could be fighting for six and six at this point. And you already have a, a almost a guarantee loss the next week. So you have to win that game. 
Auburn played one of their worst games of the season last year against South Carolina. Shane Beamer won SEC media days, but this could determine whether his first year of South Carolina is an A season because Brandon if 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 they if they if they make a bowl game for South Carolina, I give Shane Beamer a huge credit for getting that South Carolina team to a bowl game. Yeah, I, I do too, Zach. Uh, I want to mention one more quick game, real quick, before we move on, because I just don't know how we just skipped over it. But I've got Texas A and M Ole Miss uh, in Oxford. That's going to be a super fun game to watch because, in my honest opinion, and I don't want to give anything away quite yet, but there's two teams at the top of the SEC, and then there's everybody else. And I think that this game is going to decide the, everybody else in the SEC, especially in the West. Um, so I, this is going to be a really fun game to watch. Ole Miss and their explosive, explosive offense that I think – I mean, Lane Kiffin just really brought the heat to this Ole Miss team that already had an explosive offense and, and the talent there to do that. Um, and then this Texas A&M team, we've already talked about their elite defense. So it's going to be a matchup. What's that? Oh, I think we'll lose it. I think we're losing Brandon here. Um, are you uh, back, man? I'm here. <laughs> oh man, the Wafa, the Wafa nowadays. Yeah. All right, we got you. We got you good now. But let's go ahead and move on, man. Let's get to our players to watch in the SEC. I love this segment. And Brandon, before you get the homer tag thrown on you, I got you. Let, let me clear you out here. Yeah. I'm taking. I'm taking Mike Jones Jr. from LSU. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I, I am taking Mike Jones Jr. from LSU. And, Brandon, the LSU lost a huge piece of their defense when they lost to Brill Cox to the NFL. I really yeah. think that he was one of the keys to the team last year. And for me, Mike Jones Jr. shocked everyone when he transferred out of Clemson unexpectedly. And now he's going to be expected to lead this LSU defense, especially at the linebacker spot, which you were, you know, you kind of broke on our show yesterday. They have him at middle linebacker. And, you know, Jones, for me, Brandon, is going to offer one of the best coverage linebackers in the country. And in today's scheme, Brandon, when, you know, a lot of these teams are running the four two fives, the three three fives, a lot of these nickel dime formations, having the, that hybrid athletic linebackers is of the utmost important. And also, I think Mike Jones is going to benefit, Brandon, because Eli Ricks and Derek Stingley are going to shut things down on the outside. Everything's going to be funneled in, and it's going to give Mike Jones a lot of chances to do some big things. He had the best coverage grade for a linebacker in the entire country last year at a 90.2. And also, he was used as a blitz piece a lot of the times for Venables. And I want to see how Durante Jones schemes him into blitzes because with his speed, he can make plays so, so consistently and so fast. And Brandon, when you look at this L- when you look at this LSU defensive rebuild, the one question right now is really the safeties and the linebackers. And Jones answered that linebacking question. So for me, Brandon, his ability to back up and play safety as well is going to help some of those young safeties in the back end of that defense catch up and he can bail them out on a lot of things because he's so good in coverage. So I think Mike Jones is really the key for this entire LSU defense to get better. Rick Stingley and Flott are going to hold down the corner spots. The D-line has multiple names that can make an impact. So really and truly, I think Jones is going to be the glue that holds this new Durante Jones defense all together. I, I hope so, Zach. I hope you're, I hope you're right about that. I, I mean, we saw how talented he was at Clemson. Obviously, I'm super excited to have him on LSU's squad. But I'm going to go ahead and move on to uh, the other side of the ball. And the other in the other division in this conference, and I'm going to go ahead and mention a guy that's probably not at the top of everybody's radar, but I, I think I have to mention Zamir White, uh, Georgia's running back. Last season, he came out with 144 carries uh, for 779 yards. Zach, that's 5.4 yards a carry, 11 touchdowns. Uh, he's not much of a receiving back, but he can get things done on the on the ground. He, um, uh, what's it called? He, he's he's going to his junior season this year, um, and everybody. Everybody in the world wants to talk about JT Daniels in this offense. I think he's a very complimentary piece in white, and I think he is a guy who can take a little bit of the pressure off of him. And I feel like Georgia is this team that we've always talked about their running backs. And, you know, Historically, think about all these Georgia running backs, Zach. And over the past few seasons, yeah, we've kind of had that, but I don't think it's been set in stone. I don't think we've had like that guy. You know, like We haven't had that Todd Gurley, that Sonny Michelle, that, like, that guy. Uh, Nick Chubb, 
um, in, in a few seasons. So it, it's a little bit refreshing to see White come out, and, and I think that this year he can break out of his shell a bit more and uh, and not carry this team, but be a big uh, be a big impact on this offense. Ah uh, man, I mean, and it's going to be interesting to see how they split those carries. So they also have Kendall Milton, yeah. five star that's been showing out in fall camp. So I think they're they're going to get a lot of carries. So let, let's answer this question real quick, Brandon, for our guy Chad. Who do you think the QB at Auburn will be? Um, I'll take it first, Brandon. So uh, Chad, so here's here's everything I've heard. So everyone at Auburn undercover for two four seven. Everyone at Auburn live for the new um, on sport or on three sports. Um, all the reports are that Nix is struggling mightily, like just to say the least. He he's inaccurate. He's been throwing interceptions. He just has not impressed anybody. The problem is Finley's been better, but he hasn't been consistently better. And so it's really limiting the potential. Uh, Demar- Demar- uh, Demarius Davis as the third-string guy was ha- showing a lot of promise as a freshman, but he came down with the undisclosed injury, didn't play in the last scrimmage. So it's a Knicks-Finley battle. What I've been hearing is Knicks is almost guaranteed, unless something crazy happens this week, to take the first snap. But they're going to use these first two weeks against Akron and Alabama State to really feel out who needs to be the quarterback moving forward. And all reports are whoever takes the snap at Penn State first is probably going to be the starter moving forward. So really look forward to week three before this battle is completely settled because I think Finley and Knicks are going to get a lot of touches week one and week two against Akron and Alabama State. That's how every successful team runs their team. They're like, oh, yeah. I we- don't want to hear it, Brandon. I don't want to hear it. Uh, listen, listen, uh, you you guys you guys started Miles Brennan over Max Johnson. I don't want to hear it. Not a, not a single thing. Yeah, and, and, y'all, and y'all started TJ Finley as well over Max Johnson. LSU also went five and five, dude. Like, what's the argument here? No, I, I got you, but l- l- let me let me let me continue my little bias here and pick Tank Bigsby as a player to watch. I don't even think it's biased because I don't I don't I don't think people realize how good Bigsby was because Bo Nix's struggles overshadowed everything he did for that offense, and also the whole Gus Malzahn drama really hurt. Um, in my opinion, hit the perception of Bigsby for me, Brandon. He was the only bright spot last season and really the only positive you could really point to for Auburn last year. And Harson and Bobo really need to utilize Bigsby better than Malzahn did because Malzahn would just take the ball away from him and put it in Bo Nix's hands. Yeah. Why in the world are you putting the ball in Bo Nix's hands over Tank Bigsby? But, Brandon, as a true freshman at 18 years old, man, Bigsby was the fifth most valuable non-quarterback in the wins above average replacement in the country. He was the third. Yeah, Zach. Zach just had, and, and I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you here because I think Tank Bigsby might be like like a sleeper for offensive player of the year in, in the SEC. But like Zach just comes off the wall and all these crazy stats. Are you talking about? I do my research. I do my research. He's talking about wins above replacement in football. Like everybody talks about war in baseball, but Zach's got it for football. Like, what are we doing? Hey, it's wins above average in college ball is WAA. Oh, uh, but <laughs> hey, he I'll, I'll give you some more advanced stats, Brandon. He was also the highest graded running back before he was hurt. Are we back? I'm here. Uh, I don't I don't know whose internet this is. It's somebody's internet though. Yeah. We we having problems, but yeah, man. So yes, yeah, third highest graded running back in the country, Brandon. Before he got hurt against Tennessee, he hurt his hip. He got fell. He got rolled on wrong. But also, Brandon, he was the 2020 SEC Freshman of the Year. And Brandon, what I like about Bigsby this year is he's in a system now with Harson and um, with Mike Bobo that they like to have a feature back, Brandon. They like to lean on a running back in big moments. And if the O-line and the quarterback are question marks already and the wide receiving unit is not there, Bigsby should get a lot of opportunities early, but his success is really going to depend on Auburn's offense evolving to be more dynamic throughout the year because people are just going to start stacking the box like they did at the end of the year. And then his his limitations are going to show because, you know, you can't just stack the box and, you know, it, once people put nine in the box and Bo Nix can't throw – you know, worth a damn, then it doesn't matter. But 
Brandon, the thing I love about Biggs before I let you take it over is his ability to make people miss, especially the first tackler. Brandon, I mentioned he rushed for about 800 yards last year in his limited action. He rushed for over 600 of those after contact. Yeah. So that shows you how bad that Auburn offensive line was, and he was just making plays. He he broke almost fifty tackles last season, Brandon. And so I really like I really like Tim Bigsby, one of my favorite players in the country. But it's really going to depend on that Auburn offensive line and whether Bo Nix can just be a, an above average quarterback. Yeah, I think you're right, Zach. And I'm about to shock the world here because I've got I've got two defensive players I want to mention. And the wow. only reason I'm putting them together is because they play a similar position. They're both linebackers, and they both have the same last name. So let's talk about Will and Adam Anderson. Will Anderson, obviously, I think is like like the favorite, like the guy who might win defensive player of the year in the SEC this season, like legitimately. Coming off of last year's true freshman season at Alabama, uh, in his 13 games that he played, he had 34 total, or I'm sorry, 52 total tackles, 34 solo tackles, 10 and a half of those for loss, and seven of those for sack sack. And in the stacked Alabama uh, defense, he made himself known, like from the very beginning, made himself known, like out of this group of just maybe the most talented guys in the NCAA last season, as far as defense is concerned. So I, I like him as like a favorite to win uh, or a runner or a candidate for defensive player of the year. But I like Adam Anderson. It's more of like a guy who maybe you haven't heard a whole lot about. And I'm not saying he's like, oh, he's like a super underground guy, but a guy that maybe isn't a household name yet who will, I think, for sure become a household name. He's going into his senior season at Georgia, Zach. Um, and last season, in the six games that he played, he had six and a half sacks. And that, I mean, just like starting basically halfway throughout or playing half of a season, if you can come up with six and a half sacks, that you know there's some kind of potential there. And, yeah, this Georgia defense was good, and he was helped out a lot uh, by by his teammates. I, I think that this pressure that Georgia brought against every offense that they played kind of helped him in, helped him, helped him in doing that. But against some of the most talented uh, offenses in NCAA football, he made himself known, this player who's been at Georgia for three seasons but hasn't really been able to make a super huge impact yet. Uh, I like his potential to break out this season, Zach, and I think he'll be a guy that a lot of people talk about, you know, maybe not every single Saturday, but he's going to be a, definitely a guy to watch out for if your team's playing Georgia or if Georgia's, like, on college game day or something like that. Oh, man, I like – I thought you were going to take my player, but I had one more that I was, like – Absolute punks. I think he's uh, he's one of my favorite defensive players to watch in the country, and he's also won Georgia, which is why I think this might be the best Georgia team that we have seen in a long time. And that's Tyke Smith, transfer from West Virginia. And Brandon, this kid is the truth at at I guess whatever you want to call it. Spear is the position he'll be playing, which is that hybrid safety spot, that third safety yeah. spot. Transferred in from West Virginia, Brandon was the key to them leading the country in pass defense last year. And Dan Lanning and um, Kirby Smart are going to, in my opinion, will use him perfectly. Brandon was the highest graded safety in coverage last season and the number six safety overall. This th- These advanced stats don't make any sense, Brandon. He was targeted over 38 times last season and only allowed 110 total yards, Brandon, and did not allow a play over 12 yards as the primary defender. That, that That's insane, especially when you're facing so many quarterbacks that like to push the ball down the field in the Big 12. And also, when you look at how he's – you know what he does great in coverage, Brandon. He's so instinctive, and his ball skills are so, are so great that on screens and RPOs and things like that, he's so fast to get downhill and get to the ball that he breaks a lot of those up. And I love what he brings to this Georgia defense because they had a huge hole at safety. That you know, if if he didn't transfer in, I don't know how they would have filled it. Brandon, he's made 13 plays on the ball, whether it's an interception or pass breakup, only allowed three total touchdowns his whole career. Yeah. So Tyke Smith is the is the real deal. I think he's going to be a very high first-round draft pick in the upcoming NFL draft, and I think he's going to be counted on, Brandon. There's a lot of great, very talented, like you look at Akili Ringo, very talented young DBs on the back end of the Georgia defense. Smith's going to have to be the leader bring everyone together, 
and get this team meshing at the right time if they're going to make a realistic run at the SEC title this year. I think you're right, Zach. But, man, let's go ahead and, you know, move on here to our sleeper teams. This is the last segment before we get to our official predictions. And so, Brandon, I'll kick it off for you, man, because I always just throw it to you and put you on the spot and I always feel like a terrible, like, you know, like like I'm a terrible like, moderator here. I'm just like, Brandon, be on the spot. You don't get any help here. But I'm going with the Kentucky Wildcats, Brandon. And that's why I kind of gave you a look when, like you said, like Texas was here because I don't think Texas would be a sleeper in the SEC. I love the potential of this team, Brandon. Mark Stoops, I think, is primed to shock the SEC again like he already has in previous seasons. The running game for me is where is what the key is, Brandon. I think it's one of the best in the country. I think the offense and defensive line will be able to carry this team deep into some games against some very competitive SEC teams. Now, there are some questions with sleepers. That's why they're sleepers and not top contenders. The secondary and the quarterback spot, I have a lot of question marks surrounding that. Will Levis is going to be QB1, Brandon. It's going to be the first time he's relied on as that QB1. Transfer from Penn State, Brandon, he's only thrown 100 passes in his entire career. So not a lot of experience there. He has three touchdowns to two interceptions. But his legs are something that Kentucky really needs to you know, make their run game more dynamic. And so he's run for over 400 yards and six touchdowns. But for me – pocket presence and ability to still make the throws under pressure and keeping calm under pressure in the pocket are the two areas I want to see Levis take that next step. His deep ball placement and his ability to hit receivers in stride, though, really should help this Kentucky team take that next step. And also, Brandon, we've talked about this kid on the podcast before. Wondell Robinson transfers in from Nebraska. He was really the only bright spot on that Nebraska team these these in the most recent years. Josh Ali at wide receiver is going to be a young guy you probably should watch out for, too. But also... Robinson is going to be counted on in so many ways. He reminds me so much of a – he's a little bit bigger than Rondell Moore, but he does a lot of what Rondell Moore brought to the Purdue offense where he can turn, Brandon, those dump, those dump passes and screens, he can turn those into explosive 15, 20 breakout touchdown plays. And I think what they should do, Brandon, which is what Nebraska did, they should use him in the slot – at running back, at wildcat, at outside wide receiver, and even like a jet sweep option. I think he's going to flash for a lot of fans this year. The O-line is back, and Chris Rodriguez is back as well, Brandon. This is one of the most underrated running backs in the country. Over 700 yards, 11 touchdowns, Brandon. And for his career, his entire career, he's averaging over seven yards per carry. He was second in running back grade in the entire country at the end of the year. And, Brandon, this is an advance that you'll love. 41% of his touches went for touchdowns or first downs. No, yeah. See, that's okay. That's a big gap in things for touchdowns versus first down. But I get what you're saying, Zach. That that is super impressive. I mean, hey, you got to move the chains to even get touchdowns. The defense, the secondary has some holes, like I mentioned. Cedric Dort Jr. is a name to watch at DB, but the D line is going to be the real factor here, Brandon. Jordan Wright and Josh Pascal are both going to be a factor at edge rusher. Wright ranks top five in rush defense, while Pascal is a top five pass rush win rate guy in the SEC. Stoops, Brandon, I never count him out. He always has Kentucky in contention, even when they're not supposed to be that good. I love what they're bringing this year. The front seven is good enough to compete. I would not be surprised if Kentucky was the second and the second best team in the East, at least, and also could push Georgia for a competitive game late in the season. Yeah, Zach, Kentucky is one of those teams, and that was just kind of like I, when you think of middle of the, of the pack in the SEC, that's just one of those teams I think of um, just historically. Like anyway, so um, I'm gonna go with my first sleeper here, Zach, and it, it's kind of I have like a list of three that I want to talk about. Kentucky was on that list for me actually, but I'll go ahead and mention Arkansas. I think Arkansas has been trending upwards. I'm not Zach. I know I say this on every single episode, but there are two teams. I think that are going to win the SEC that could possibly win the SEC. Everyone else is just kind of playing for second place, third place. So um, Arkansas, I think has been trending upward, especially since last season, Zach. And like we mentioned uh, a couple days ago in our fall camp uh, report um, for Arkansas, 
they're not playing with Felipe Franks anymore. Um, you know what? It, it, this is something that's actually kind of funny. I went back and looked at my first week of notes that we ever did for this podcast. First week ever, week zero, uh, I talked about the Florida-Miami game. I was stuck on that. Yeah. And, the, and, like, my number one note on that was Felipe Frank sucks, and I'll stand by that. Well, I'll die on that hill. But now they have K.J. Jefferson who's coming in, redshirt freshman. Dude is just a mountain, if I had to describe him in one word. He's 250 pounds, like six foot six, and the dude can uh, – Duke and ball. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Anybody from Bama? Yeah, basically. That's basically what I was going I almost said Ole Miss because Ole Miss is on my list, but I don't know if they're really a sleeper. Arkansas, I think, is. I think this offense takes a huge step forward. Uh, this offensive line is absolutely massive as well, Zach. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it was It was on our fall camp show. I told you, like, the average weight went up from, like, yeah. Two two ninety one to like three thirteen now. Like I don't remember like if that was Arkansas or not. I knew their O line yeah. was just basically solid, but I couldn't remember if that was the statistic. That's what I was trying to think. But yeah, dude, this Arkansas team might surprise a couple teams. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. If, like you already said, they're gonna play Texas hard. I wouldn't be shocked if they played a team like uh, I don't know who, like Ole Miss even hard. I wouldn't be shocked at that at all. Oh, man. I, I like that pick. And also, you know, my honorable mention was Missouri. I really yeah. think Missouri could be the other team in the East because I, I don't think there's any sleepers in the West, Brandon, because I think when you look at the West, Alabama, clear favorite. Ole Miss, yeah. a lot of hype. LSU has a lot of hype for some people, and A&M has a lot of hype. And I just don't think the other three teams are really going to be able to, like, break into that next tier. So the East is where a lot of my sleepers are, and Missouri is one that – I think it, it's really going to depend, Brandon, one, on whether they can run the ball consistently, and two, whether that secondary can catch up to the rest of the team because those are like the two big holes. You mentioned Connor Blazelock looked amazing at times. If he can put together a consistent season, Brandon, you're looking at a problem out there. And Eli Drinkowitz has done a great job. I love his demeanor. I love his passion. I like what he's bringing to Missouri. So he's a guy I'm looking for. Also want to see what Martez Manuel and also Jelani Williams brings at the safety spot for Missouri. Those are the two guys who I think are going to be the key to the defensive rebuild. But for me, I like Missouri. I just think right now they're just they, they don't have the front seven that the, uh, Kentucky has. And I think in the SEC, you're going to have to win the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I agree with you, Zach. I think, like I said, Connor Baselak's had those flashes of just he could be like the next great quarterback in the SEC, but he it hasn't been consistent whatsoever. But Missouri, I think, will be a lot better than people will expect it will. Oh, man, I like it. So we got to get into our official predictions here, Brandon. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. These oh. Here we go. So you see we disagree here. Uh, Brandon, but Brandon has Georgia winning the SEC this year. We'll explain that in a second. I got Alabama winning the SEC in the East, which is on the which is on your left. I have Kentucky second, Missouri third, Florida fourth, South Carolina fifth, Tennessee sixth, and Vandy seventh. In the West, I got Alabama winning, of course. LSU second, Ole Miss third, A and M fourth, Auburn fifth, Arkansas sixth, and Mississippi State seventh. Brandon's got Georgia-Bama in the championship, of course, Georgia winning, but he has Florida second, Missouri third, Kentucky fourth, Tennessee fifth, South Carolina sixth, Vandy seventh. In the West, Alabama, A&M, Ole Miss, LSU, Auburn, Arkansas, and Mississippi State. Man, we had to go through all those. Coach Simmons says, Kentucky, is that your basketball pick? Listen, Coach, I just explained, Kentucky's my sleeper, and I feel like Kentucky's rise for me, is more tied with Florida's fall, if that makes sense. It's not that Kentucky got super significantly better. I just think Florida got significantly worse, and Missouri just doesn't have the secondary or the front seven to really hang in some of the big games. I think if I remember, I went through and simulated the season, I think all they had them ousting Missouri by like a game. So I think think that Missouri-Kentucky pick could be flip-flopped if you wanted in my predictions. But, yeah, I, I think Kentucky and Missouri right now are better teams than Florida this year, in my opinion. But, Brandon, I know you got to explain your Georgia pick. So why did you pick the Bulldogs over um, Alabama? I picked Georgia and Zach here, and I just think that they're going to be less beat up than Alabama is what it comes down to. 
Uh, this is probably the most complete Georgia team we've seen in years. I mean, I think this is the most complete team we've seen since they were in the national championship in 2018, to be completely honest. Uh, I do. I really do. That defense has really come together really nicely, Zach. Um, their offense with JT Daniels and people, I can't understand for the life of me, Zach, I've been reading online everywhere and like Georgia fans aren't even high on JT Daniels. I, I can't understand why. Like that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you not be high on JT Daniels? It doesn't track for me. And people are sitting here talking about, um, sitting here talking about JT Daniels, like being the starter here at Georgia and Georgia winning despite it, like despite him. Um, so what I'll say about Georgia, Zach, and the reason they're going to get to the championship is not only because the East is back to, I think, sort of weak because Florida's not going to be, like, the best team in the world, I'd say. Like, they're going to be decent. But Georgia has, like, the easiest schedule I've ever seen outside of Clemson. I I, I do think they lose to Clemson week one, and I'm sure we're going to pick that. But right now, my opinion is that they lose to Clemson week one, and then they go undefeated from there on out until they get to the playoff. I'm not sure what the playoffs bring, so I won't predict that right now. Um, I think they lose that first game, and after that, they go play UAB at home. They smack up on them. Then they get South Carolina the week after. That's an easy dub. Uh, They play at Vanderbilt. That's easy enough. They pulled Arkansas for their cross-division game. It's Come on. I mean, Arkansas, yeah, I call them a sleeper, but they're still finishing second to last in the West for me. they play Auburn the week after that, which that's a rivalry game. I get it. That's a win. It's a win. Uh, <laughs> that's what I gotta say. You didn't have to put. You didn't have to put qualifiers in that one. That 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 spread should be like thirty five points. They play Kentucky the week after that. Dub. Uh, they play Florida in the swamp, or not in the swamp. They play in Jacksonville, the world's largest yeah. outdoor park. Probably the dumbest name I've ever heard for a rivalry. Uh, that's not going to be close. I think Georgia wins that one easily. Missouri. Tennessee, Charleston Southern, didn't even know that was a football team, and then Georgia Tech for for the rivalry week game. Georgia has, like, the easiest schedule I've ever seen in my entire life. That's why I have them making the SEC championship. I think Alabama has a bit more of a challenge in the West, and, yes, I understand that this team is going to be great. Like, Alabama is going to be scary. I don't deny that whatsoever. But I think Georgia has put it all together. I think they'll be much less beat up throughout the uh, throughout the duration of the season. And when you add both of those up together, Zach, that's a that's an SEC champion in my opinion. Oh, you see, like, I, like you know, you know how high I was on Georgia. The like, if they would have been healthy, if if Eric Gilbert, George Pickens, Tyke Smith, Darnell Washington, all those injuries don't happen, I'm probably right there with you. But with all the injury concerns already, man, it's just a finding a hard time to find how Georgia's going to pull out a game against that Alabama defense, especially when you might not have a go-to wide receiver. Let me defend that real quick, and I'll say that, yes, we have injuries right now, and Arik Gilbert, whatever the situation is with him, we have that right now. But who knows what's going to happen toward like the middle of the season? Like These players, will, some of them will probably be back. Well, well, well Mob was mostly like – like Eric Gilbert is probably out for the season. Let's be honest. Yeah. And also Pickens is out at least till at least till the playoffs or the bowl weekend. Okay. And so th- those are the two biggest losses for me. You can take Darnell Washington out if you give me Eric Gilbert and George Pickens. That's fine with me. Yeah. I mean Pickens is really the one that kind of caught me off guard, Brandon. Like I feel like Pickens was like such a needed player this year for them. And he was going to be like the glue and the bailout guy for Georgia. Because when you watch Jake Fromm play when he was there, he really didn't have that go-to bailout guy all the time, Brandon. And then you thought you had a Eric Gilbert that was going to take his place, and he's not even there. And so now Darnell Washington is knocked out, possibly. So do, it's really how much do you believe in Dominic Blaylock, Karis, and Karis Jackson? Those are going to be probably the two top five receivers. How much do you believe in them? Can they carry? Can they help carry the offense with JT Daniels? Right. And I just when I look at Alabama's defense, man, that's where the distinction really comes in for me. Because Brandon, I've said it on this podcast. I think this is the best Alabama defense since 2012. Uh, they're really. They are. This defense is terrifying. Twenty nineteen Alabama defense was terrifying, and then this defense is just somehow better. It doesn't make sense how they keep getting better. 
Well, when you look at the team, so you know you were, you get Josh Job stepping in as the number one corner, then you get Kool Aid stepping in as the new number two corner, who's arguably one of the best corners, uh, freshman corners in the country. Then you still have at corner Brandon Malachi Moore, who's one of the best players over the past two seasons. Then at safety, you get Jordan Battle, who, in my opinion, is probably the number one or number two safety in the country. Then you get Will Anderson at edge. You get Chris Braswell at edge. I mean, you got two elite pass rushers right there. And then at wide receiver where you had all these question marks, I still think Mechie's the truth. I still think Aggie Hall is going to be legit. And then you then you have all these – this freshman class of O-Lyman, Brandon, is like, you know, some people said it was the best. They landed, what, the both Brockmar twins. They landed the other five-star kid. And then you still return – Tommy Brown, you still return Evan Neal, who both are top NFL, who both are going to be top NFL prospects. It's just this team's so complete. And for me, the biggest question mark, Brandon, is Brian Robinson at running back. Is he going to be able to replicate what Najee does? I don't know, but they have a lot of talent behind him at the running back spot. And also, when you look at Bryce Young, I know he's unproven right now, Brandon, but I just – when you get surrounded, I think that defense is going to be able to help him grow. And also, Brandon, I don't know how big of a test Miami is going to be because what I think is really going to happen at Miami, Brandon, is that defense is going to force De'Aaron King just to look uh, atrocious. And yeah. Bryce Young is going to have a safety net to make those early mistakes. And then after that Miami game, uh, they'll have that week two to kind of rest up correct things, and then I think as soon as they hit that Florida game in the Swamp Brand, they're going to shift that thing in the, in, the, in the next gear. And after that Florida game, I just don't know if anyone can re- realistically touch them this year. LSU will be an interesting matchup, but it's really going to depend on if LSU can't run the ball against that front seven of Alabama, then I don't know if Max Johnson can just drag that team to a win against such a talented Alabama team. No, I don't. I don't think they can. I, I mean, obviously, I don't think they can. I have LSU finishing fourth in the West. Yeah, Zach's a little bit more optimistic. Um, Zach, I, 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 we've already explained our champions here. I think you need to explain Kentucky too, just a little bit more. I know you already talked about how they're yeah. your sleeper, but we we got some comments about it. What, what's going okay. on? So, I t- so the main reason I have them at two is I t- I've already previewed why I like them. For me, it's more that I don't believe in Florida more so than like Kentucky's like the, the uh, world beater. Uh, when I look at this Florida team, questions at running back, questions at wide receiver, the questions at O line. Emory Jones is promising, but Brandon, we did the fall camp report, not great. And so for me, I don't think they're going to have the defense that a Florida usually has to build them out. Yes, Kair Elam is a monster. Brenton Cox Jr. could be great. Uh, Ventrell Miller is a pretty good linebacker. But really, outside of that, it's really going to depend on Zachary Carter, Jeremiah Moon, Jadarius Perkins at cornerback. Can they pick that secondary up after losing some key pieces? And also, can Jacob Copeland step up and be that wide receiver one that they're going to need? And also, can Malik Davis and Demarcus Bowman combine to really give them any sort of rushing attack? And we've heard all camp that offensive line is just getting pushed around. Well, when I look at their schedule right now, Brandon, Alabama have them as a loss right now. I just, I just cannot see Florida beating Alabama right this second with the team they have constructed. That game came later in the season, possibly. But then, Brandon, they also get LSU and Georgia back-to-back. Think both of those games are really hard, you know, games, and having them back to back is very tough. I also think Kentucky and Missouri are could be losses as of right now. I think Connor Blazelight gives that offense a huge, I guess, boost, and it's really going to come down to which team runs the ball. So I'll give that one a toss up. I think Kentucky's better right now. I don't know if that front seven for Florida can stop the run game. I think Kentucky controls it. When every time Florida goes into Lexington, it's a great game, and I just think Kentucky pulls it out. And then also with what we've been hearing from Florida State, I don't know if that's going to be an easy win for Florida. Yeah. Because so if McKenzie Mills is a starter, Brandon, and that team could be clicking down the stretch, you could have some serious problems if you're Florida. Yeah, let me ask you this, Zach, because I, I've alluded to it several times. I think that it's Georgia and Alabama at the top of this conference. 
by a mile. So like I, I think that I, I think that these two have the most commanding records in the SEC that I think below them, like the second place team might have two to three losses. What are your thoughts on Kentucky? Like, where do you think that they land? Like, do you think that they're going to be like battling Georgia for this SEC championship spot? Or do oh, you no. Think, no, no, you think, probably not. I, I, if I remember right, when I simulated the season, I had them losing to LSU. I had them losing to Georgia for sure. Um, I don't uh, honestly, I think Missouri, Florida, are their toss-up games. But, Brandon, the also other reason I'm up there is their schedule so much easier. They get ULM week one, Missouri week two, which is a great week two matchup to have. You get them early before that team starts to click on the offensive line. Then you get Chattanooga. Then you get South Carolina with the first-year head coach. Then you get – then this is the only hard part of the schedule for me, Brandon. They get Florida, LSU, and Georgia back-to-back-to-back. That's tough. So if you so if you get if you could pull up the win against Florida, those other two games don't become as daunting for me. But then the end, I'm do what? So and that game's at home, so that's I mean that's a plus. Is that's what I'm saying? And then also at the end of their schedule, Brandon, how how does this sound for you? Mississippi State, Tennessee, Vandy, New Mexico State, and Louisville. It's their final five games. Yeah, no, I I don't. The only one I have an issue with is Louisville because they're kind of bouncing back right now. I'm not saying they're going to win that game, but that, that game could be tough. But Kentucky's pretty much been the better team in that rivalry recently. So, I mean, right now you're looking at the last five games. All Kentucky should be favored in terms of, like, Betty Line. Like, they should be favored going in. So that's five. Betty Line favored against ULM. Chattanooga, I'll give them that one. That's seven wins right there, Brandon. Yeah, it's like and that's, let's that's like, and let's give them let's give them South Carolina too. That's eight wins minimum. Ah, yeah, I see what you're saying. They got an easy. It's, schedule. It's, they just got such an easy schedule. And when you look at Florida right now, they just don't they they don't have the luxury of that because I mean with Alabama, LSU, and Georgia, that's three losses right there. So if they have eight wins that are pretty much almost guaranteed, you only get one loss. Right. If you're Florida to really play with. And then on the flip side with Missouri, their schedule's also pretty tough because when you, especially with the non-conference with Boston College, so you get Central Michigan a win, SEMO a win, North Texas is probably a win, Vandy's a win, and South Carolina's a win. And I'll even give them possibly Tennessee. But for me, when you have Kentucky, Boston College, Texas A&M, Georgia, Florida, and Arkansas. That's six toss-up games, in my opinion. Right. So it just happened that Kentucky has an easier schedule, and I think that's why they squeak out that. I think Kentucky, Missouri, Florida, all will be separated by, like, a game or just, like, a tiebreaker where one of them won the head-to-head. Yeah, I I can see that, Zach. Because I just think South Carolina, Tennessee, and Vandy are just not going to be good enough to compete. So I think the top of my SEC East are all going to be separated by – like the smallest margin and like one game going wrong could switch all that up. And I also feel that way about my West prediction too. I think LSU, Ole Miss, and A&M are going to be very, very close. I think Ole Miss and LSU are closer than A&M is. I just have too many questions about their quarterback right now with Haynes King. But I do like – but I just think Ole Miss, LSU, and A&M are close. But I think Kentucky, Missouri, Florida will be the, th- the like the group of three battle that I'm most interested to see how it plays out this year. Right. Zach, I, I was so close to just like for my rankings, just sending you Ryan Leaf's rankings for, for the SEC and just seeing if you notice, oh, if any of our listeners notice. But I, 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 I contained myself and I gave you guys he – had, He had like A&M like sixth. No, he had A and M winning the SEC. He oh, that's right. He was twelve and zero. That's right. Um, I knew he had like something crazy with A and M, but yeah, because I saw one where they had A and M six too, and I was like, probably not. Also happening. Ten and two. Who that's those two crazy. Yeah, that's insane. But guys, we appreciate y'all tuning in. Listen, tomorrow we start dropping our game previews. I, I believe tomorrow we're dropping uh, Fres- Fre- the Fresno State game preview and all- the Fresno State UConn and also our MEAC SWAC challenge preview will be dropping tomorrow as well. So make sure to tune in and subscribe to our YouTube channel now. That way y'all get all that content, man. We're so pumped to be covering real games. This wraps up our conference preview. 
It's a playlist on our YouTube channel, and most of the previews are already out on audio version anyway, so make sure to catch up on those if you want to see who our predictions are for all these conferences. We did the AAC, the Sun Belt, the SWAG. We did a bunch of previews, man, so make sure to check them all out. Guys, subscribe now, turn on your post notifications, but me and B-Dub will have plenty of content for you guys coming out later this week. I'm even dropping my own episode, which I'm giving y'all the Blue Bloods official top 10 rankings. So I'm sure y'all will have a blast with that one. I'm doing my rankings. We don't care what the AP poll has to say. There's some hot takes in there. You'll want to tune into that. But guys, for Beat Up, myself, and the Blue Bloods, we are out. <laughs>